You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church family. My name... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My name is Norma Igarta, and I have the privilege and joy to serve with your kids in Kids Village and also on the welcome team and Connection Central, as well as the intercessory prayer team. Um, and in August, I will get to join our Goer Missional community and hope to someday be sent as a Goer from this church. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's good to see you all. Our passage for today is going to be in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab those. That will be our passage. I really just want to kind of pull two things out of this passage together uh, today. We're kicking off a, a new series. We're just calling it Formed. Uh, and, and really the heart behind it is to uh, get at in some way what the Holy Spirit is up to among us as his people. You, you and I, uh, we've come into this room today. Here's what we both have in common or we all have in common. Uh, everyone in, the, in this room this morning is a product of, of a set of things that led you uh, to this moment in your life. So the things that you love about yourself, the things that you hate about yourself, where you would look at your life and say, I'm really proud of this. Or you'd look at your life and go, man, I wish I, that would have played out differently. Uh, you, you and I got to this moment. We, we both did uh, in our experiences with God our experiences with other people, and then we are a product of our repetitions, our habits, where we have given ourselves over to certain thoughts or we've given ourselves over to certain actions. Those three things collide, and, and it's brought about you in your present form, sitting in the chair or sitting on the couch or, or in your theater or wherever you are right now, listening to this in your car, so, so that we are a product of something. We, we didn't start this way. We got this way, and we got this way, uh, either in an interaction with God or, or never had an interaction with God, uh, we've gotten this way because uh, we've been in relationships with other people and some of those have been positive and life-giving and some of those have been hurtful and traumatic and that shaped us in a kind of way. Uh, and then all of us, have give, we give ourselves over um, to thoughts and actions on repeat. Uh, and, and there is no formation outside of repetition. One of the reasons I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go after um, you know, softly, which isn't normally my style, you, you scrolling through Instagram at night before you go to bed every night is because it's forming you in ways that you're unaware of because it is a habitual ritualistic action and all of those form. 
Uh, and so if you give your mind over, and if you've got a background maybe with some anxiety, so you give your mind over to anxious thoughts, you become more and more of an anxious person. If you give your mind over uh, to worship, you become a more and more worshipful person. You, you can keep doing it. You give your mind over to lust, you become a more and more lustful person. Uh, and so whatever we're habitually thinking about and habitually doing is forming us and shaping us. So you right now, whether you love yourself right now, you're proud of yourself, or man, life's difficult right now and you're really frustrated with you, not frustrated with that, like frustrated with you. It's born of those three things, that that's how we got into this moment. And, and, and what I wanna talk about over the next four weeks is God's commitment to making you more and more and more like Jesus. God's commitment. In fact, God is so committed to you that in Hebrews 6, the writer of Hebrews said, God swore by himself because there wasn't anything bigger to swear by. So God's committed to you and he's saying, I am gonna take you like, like starting here and I'm gonna get you to where you're looking more and more like Jesus. So help me, he looks around, everything's too weak, myself. So help me, me, I'm going to help you look more and more like Jesus. I'm committed to you to get you there, and I'm going to send you joy and sorrow to get you there. And so what I want us to do is look at this. What we're talking about is being, if I can use this language, being rehumanized by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, making us more and more and more like we were meant to be. Um, I was, I literally just got back from Australia, right? Like yesterday. So you're a blur to me. We're going to be fine. I'm going to stick to my notes. We're going to, it's not going to go long. Trust me. We're going to be fine. Um, and I was having this conversation with one of our Australian pastors over there. I was doing some Acts 29 stuff and, um, the, the way he, he, he's written a book and, and I'm kind of studying this, right? And so I'd read his book. So we got in this conversation. He, he would say that God created us as human beings. Male and female, he created us and he put us in shalom and, and we had right relationship with God and we had right relationship with others. And then sin entered the cosmos and that fractured our humanity so, so that we began to grow dehumanized. We fell from what we were as humankind and we gave ourselves over to darkness. And, and then Christ, the perfect man comes and, and he lives the spirit empowered life to show us what's possible. He's crucified, he resurrects, he ascends to the Father on high. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us to, over an extended period of time, rehumanize us both out of our dehumanized state and into the state that he designed us to walk in to begin with. And that's the kind of stuff I, I want to talk about over the next four weeks. I want to talk about what it means and what it looks like to be formed by God into the image of Jesus with all the confidence that God's sworn by himself to get us there, sworn by himself to get us there. Now, when we talk about formation, we're really, we're just talking about discipleship. Like, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Not a believer in Jesus, but a follower of Jesus. Are you tracking with me on the difference of that? It's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. And then there's another way that says, no, I'm gonna orient my life around Jesus, or I'm gonna be a disciple. I'm actually gonna follow him. This somehow has made it into the imagination of modern day evangelicals. It is not, it's not Christianity in any biblical sense of the word. You, you having a vague belief in Jesus where you don't follow him can't be found in the scriptures or in Christian history. It's nonsensical. It, it's something altogether different than what we understand the Christian faith 
to be. What we understand the Christian faith to be is that the Holy Spirit has indwelt us, is calling us into a personal relationship with Jesus in the community of saints that forms us over time to look more and more and more like Jesus or to become more and more and more human. And so with that said, let me give you our, this is how we're defining discipleship. We've done a ton of work on this. This is our definition of discipleship. Discipleship to Jesus is the continual surrender of all of life to God's good design for identity, purpose, and belonging. So, so let me, quickly, discipleship is, these, these are the big buttons, right? Continual surrender to Jesus. Discipleship is not, you surrendered back here. Discipleship's not, uh, I said yes once. Discipleship is a continual, I'll use this language and then circle back to it, confrontation between you and the Lord where you understand that that's a confrontation he always should win. And so we humble ourselves under that, we surrender to Jesus, and in so doing, we become more human, not less. We become more of what we were meant to, not less of what we were meant to. And then we, we think that that continual surrender has to work itself around our identity. How, how do we, like, what are we? How, how, are we? how do we form our identity? How do we think rightly about ourselves? And, and then our purpose. What should we be doing? What does life look like? And then belonging. Um, where, where is this all taking place? And, and so that, that's kind of how we define discipleship here. So we try to organize around that. If we've got a program here at the Village Church, it's trying to accomplish that. So you don't have to guess, what are they after? We're after your lifelong continued surrender to King Jesus in regards to how you understand yourself, what life should be like, and then ultimately where that should all play out. That, that's what discipleship is in the scriptures. And, and with that said, in fact, here, I love this little phrase, all of life for all of life. That's discipleship, all of life, every area of my life, for all of my life, it's yours. That's discipleship. But let's look at our passage, starting in verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, I, I love this passage. He's, he's referencing, just so you know what's going on here in 2 Corinthians, he's referencing Exodus 34. Uh, and in Exodus 34, Moses goes into the tabernacle where the presence of God is indwelt, right? It's, got, like, it's either got a pillar of fire or, or it's got smoke or a cloud, and the presence of God is there. Like not like by faith, like the presence of God is there and Moses alone, only Moses is allowed to come into the presence of God. And when he's there, according to the Bible, meeting with God, like face to face, when he comes out from out of the presence of God, he's glowing like his face glue with the, that's not the right word, is it? <laughs> Jet lag, man, get off me, get off me, man, I'm tired. No, his face shone. There it is, shone. Come on. His face shone with the glory of God, and it terrified the people of God. Terrified them. So he, now keep in mind, they're not allowed in. 
In fact, early on, Moses wasn't even allowed in until there was some consecration. And now there's one man, that's it, one, who gets to go into the presence of God, absorb the glory and beauty of God, and then come back out to the people of God and say, thus saith the Lord. Right, So Paul is referencing, but he's not referencing it um, as it's kind of this positive thing as you and I would think about it. He says this, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, earlier in this chapter, he he said the, the veil wasn't just worn so that the people wouldn't be afraid. It was also worn because Moses was afraid. Look at this. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 13. Since we have such a hope, We are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, right? So now Moses is wearing a veil, not just because the Israelites are terrified of the glory of God, but that when Moses went in and met with God and then came back out and met with the people, the glory over time would fade and Moses tried to hide from the people of God, not just for their fear, but his insecurities, the fading glory. And the apostle Paul's making this argument. Gone is the day of fading glory and gone is the day where one man speaks to all my children on my behalf, but rather I'll indwell all of them and they will be my tabernacle. And that's the argument we see in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you see what's come to an end? He's saying, hey, we're bold, not like Moses. What? Moses? Mo? Like, who's bold as Mo? I mean, this man, like, casting out territorial spirits. I mean, Moses went to war. Parted the Red Sea, struck the rock. And water. I mean, he, and he's like, no, no, no. Oh, no, Moses? And we're bold, not like Moses. Why? Because we're not reliant. Here, look at me. I love you. You are not reliant on me to go dwell with the Lord and come, come help you. Like you got access, baby. Like you, he wants you, he, he's wanting you to come in. Like even when I go on your behalf, he, he'd rather you be there. Rather you be asking for you what I'm sometimes asking for you. Like, no, no, it's, it's yours. We are not like Moses. No, no, no. It came to an end, why? Why don't we have a tabernacle? Why do you not need to go to Jerusalem to be saved? because the spirit of Jesus dwells in you and wherever you are, there the tabernacle is. Listen, I I, I love me some Israel. We'll eventually go, we'll we'll schedule a trip and do it, but you will not find Jesus any nearer, kinder, or more present in Jerusalem than you will in your living room on some given morning. Right? This is, this is what's come to an end. Now, he, here's, here's the argument from here. Remember, what we're talking about is being formed into the image of Jesus over an extended period of time, right? So he, he says that those, here's the text, those who turn to the Lord in light of these things, right? It's, I'm gonna turn from my idols because here's a, here's a way that the Bible wants to, to put a little weight on us today. You are either being formed into the image of Jesus or you're being deformed by whatever idol you're worshiping, 
right? So you're either looking to Jesus and you're becoming like him or you're looking to comfort and becoming wicked or you're looking to control and becoming wicked or you're looking to power and becoming, well, you're looking to approval and becoming wicked. You see, the argument is those who turn to the Lord They understand this. They understand that they are welcome in his presence. They understand what they're, those who get this, that the spirit of God dwells in them. And and then he starts to make this argument. They will be free. So what are they free from? Man, man, you're with me today. I'm glad because I'm tired. So the, the first thing is that those who turn to the Lord and see, the spirit will testify to our spirit. We'll see the world for what it is. We will be dialed into ultimate reality. If you're in here uh, and you became a Christian a little bit later in life, you will have a keen memory of what you were before Christ and that you didn't know what you didn't know. You, you were, you, you were let, let me use me. I walked in immense amount of pride and self-entitlement. And I had no idea that's what I was doing. I, I walked in, in a kind of perverse grossness. And I had no idea it was perverted and gross. There there were people and situations I took advantage of before the Holy Spirit opened up my eyes. I didn't know they were perverse at all. They just felt good and I wanted to do them. So why wouldn't I? Huh? As we used to say back in my day, you ain't my mama. (laughs) But then, but then the Holy Spirit and dwelt me, the spirit of Christ came inside of me. I could see it for what it was. I could see me for what I was. And, and I could move towards Jesus and his grace. We are free from the ty- tyranny of the world. Um, we're, we're also free uh, to spot the lie. Maybe a better way to think about this is uh, we're free from ourselves. Um, the, the enemy of our soul in every way he's described in the scriptures always has somewhere in his title accuser of the brethren. Like, like the primary scheme of the one that hates your soul the most is accusation. And he's so good that there are times that he is speaking and we're hearing it in what we think is our voice. And God help us, we have a tendency to agree with him. Like we just have a tendency to uh, agree with him. But if you're indwelt by the spirit, if you turn to the Lord, you can see the lie for what it is. Like the way I've kind of taught this historically is no one is meaner to you than you are. No one. No one calls you a fake more than you do. No one judges you as harshly as you do. All this is accusation from the enemy. All of it's accusation from the enemy. But those who turn to the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom to spot the lie, to say that's not true about me. I'm a son of God. I am a daughter of the king. My identity is in him. And it's something that can't be taken from me, can't be twisted, and it frees me up not to, when all said and done, like the, the, the reason why someone would be free who turns to the Lord is because what he says matters most. And therefore, it's not that what you think doesn't matter, it's just that it doesn't matter all that much. Because how small are you compared to the one who knows everything? So I'll make this, it's not a joke, I really mean it. Um, like people say crazy stuff about me. 
Have you ever come across an article about me somewhere? Like people say crazy stuff uh, about me. And, and sometimes younger pastors would be like, man, how do you survive all that? And, and I can just put it where it belongs. Like one, I'm probably far worse than most of that. And the only two of us that know are God and me. And, and he's moved towards me in love. He hasn't gotten, I mean, who is like our God? 30 years of this and, and he's, he, he swore by his own name to stay committed to me. He began this good work in me and he's gonna carry it on to completion. I didn't want this. I was heading to law school. It's gonna make a lot more money I make now. Have a hot wife. I did nail that. I got a beautiful wife. And, and, then, and then a couple of nice cars. I mean, that was my plan. And the Lord was like, actually, I've got another plan. How about this? Although he didn't give me much of a choice. And, and here I am with no regret. I have never laid in my bed at night and wondered, oh man, what would it have been like if I could have got to law school and, and ignored this call in my life? This, no, this, like I know me, God knows me, and he moves towards me in love. Anyone else doesn't know me is making a judgment outside of knowing me, and most of the time has no idea what they're talking about. So that sets me free to be bold and, and to follow after the one who knows everything and has moved towards me, not from me. You see how that starts to bring about freedom? Freedom from the world, freedom from accusation or freedom from myself. God, I need more freedom from myself than I need at times from the world. At least that's the way it feels. And then finally, freedom from external moralism as a religion. One of my favorite things about being around mature, Jesus-loving Christians is they work really hard and it never feels like it's working. There's a kind of not striving kind of work that mature Christians find themselves in that I always just look at and marvel at and want, I want more of. And I, and I hope, literally, I hope if, you ever, if we can ever be in the same space together, you would find uh, an energy and a vibrancy uh, about the mission of God in our day that, that doesn't feel like to you like it's my day job. So I've oftentimes tried to help people understand this thing I'm doing is calling. It's not career. It's not like I'm, it's not like I've got hours, right? It's not like you, you call me like terrible accident. We're at the hospital. I'm like, oh, I don't work on Thursdays. So that's not how this works. I've been called to the Lord and called to you. And, and this is what we're free of. We're free of trying to strive and earn something that's been freely given. Here's the argument. Those who turn to the Lord, who is spirit, that the Lord dwells in them. They become tabernacles. They, they're not like Moses. They're new where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom, freedom to see the world for what it is, freedom to shut the, the mouth of the enemy whispering lies about you, and, and freedom from external frenetic religious energy to try to earn God's favor and resting in his goodness and grace. It's, it's hard for us. It is easy for me, it is easier for me to believe that I'm useful to God than I'm just wanted. Huh? I don't know about you. That, that's how, like, I, I get, you tell me, man, God gave you some gifts. You're really, man, he loves using you, Chandler. I'm like, great. But if you try to, if I try, even try to get my own heart to believe, no, he just wants to be with me. He just kind of wants to sit with me. I don't need to strive or do, or he just wants to, like, I, I will, um, in, in, in season and out, I, I, I crave time with Lauren, like away from my kids. I love my kids, but I crave time with her mama. And she's my person, I'm her guy. And we, we've been in the mountaintop, we've been in the valley. She's, she's my person. I just wanna be with her. I, I just wanna sit there. I, I mean, we, we can talk about some stuff, we don't need to talk about anything. I just wanna be in that, like it's hard for us to get. Like, that it's not just that we're useful. 
It's that he wants us. He loves us. That's, that's the gospel. Like he, but, but it feels like most human relationships don't work that way. That's why I keep trying to go back to like, who is like our God? You understand why David talks like that? Like, who is like, who is like this? Who, who, is, who is like this? Who keeps moving towards? Who's so committed to? Who keeps coming back? Who never lets go after three, four, five decades? Like, who is like this? No one is like this. So those who turn to the Lord, freedom is theirs. Those who turn to their idols become dehumanized. They grow dark. Things get bad. Idols always betray. They can never deliver upon their promises, ever. And that's the argument. And then he moves from this, those who turn to the Lord, to this continued surrender idea. Look at what he says. And we all, with unveiled face, do you understand what he means now? Unveiled face. We've got an unveiled face. We're not, we're not you don't need somebody else to get into the Holy of Holies and come tell you about it. You're invited in. You don't need somebody else to get in front of the, the, the throne room of grace. You're invited. You don't need to pray like Spurgeon prayed. You can pray like you pray. And I try to encourage you, just pray what you got. That's how you pray. Help me with this. Don't know what to do with this. Don't like this person. I know maybe I should. I don't know. I don't care for him. Help me. Pray what you got. Pray what you got. You, you got to get rid of that King James, some of you. And, and then he goes on to say, beholding. Here we go. We all, now, unveiled face. Turn to the Lord beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image. What? From one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let's talk about transformation. Transformation, being formed, discipleship. Because we're Westerners, and I never want to bag on Westerners, we, we've done some good stuff for the world, all right? But we are mechanistic in our thinking. That's our plausibility structure. And because we're mechanistic in our thinking, what we think when we talk about transformation or discipleship it is like school. It, it's just like, let me give you the curriculum, learn the curriculum, and then you'll be a disciple. That, that's not discipleship. He says, here's what he says. Here's what we know about it, right? That those who turn to the Lord and behold the beauty of Jesus will become more and more and more like Jesus over time. And I, one of my favorite things about this passage is it acknowledges out of the gate that's slow and we're not gonna like that it's slow. Right? Did you see what he said? Those who gaze upon the glory of God, those who look at the beauty of Jesus, they are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. One? One degree? Now, here's what I'll tell you. One degree, maybe does something today, maybe doesn't much of anything today, but 10 years from now, it'll turn you into the kind of person you can't imagine you could be today. One, th this is the transforming power of the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives as we behold Jesus. And, and let me throw this in. This is in my notes. I'm going to give it to you for free. That means we have to keep getting after the Bible or we will invent some other Jesus and try to gaze upon a Jesus that's a figment of our own imagination. And I think especially this month, you're going to see a lot of that. Like Jesus is not like some, um, you know, kind of, genie in a bottle. Jesus' love is really terrifying. It's really fierce. And everyone he comes into contact to, there is an invitation into life and depth and beauty and wholeness, and there's a call to repent. 
There's never a moment. He's like, don't you worry about it. Woman caught in adultery, don't you worry about that. That's not your fault. Never. It, it never. Zacchaeus, he's not like, ah, oh, I get it, bro. Terrible childhood. I understand Well, you'd sell out your whole nation and, 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 and steal from this town you're in. But you don't worry. You know what? Don't worry about it. I love you. And love is love. No, it's not. He's terrifying and beautiful and wonderful. And this says, behold his beauty and you'll be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And, and here's, here's kind of how that looks. Here's Colossians 3, 9 through 10. This Apostle Paul saying the same thing in a different way. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Look, listen to the phrase. After the image of its creator. Both the passages are saying the same thing. Gaze upon the beauty of Jesus and you'll be transformed. This, he's using clothing imagery now. Right? You'll take off the old self. You'll put on the new self. How? By learning what the new is and the old? No, by beholding. Look to Jesus and be formed into the image of Jesus slowly over time. You, listen, look at me. You are going to be transformed over time on the boring, mundane Tuesdays of your life if you've turned to the Lord. Formation occurs. Here's the, it bothers all of us, it's fine. Incrementally, with occasional breakthroughs. Incrementally with occasional breakthroughs. Get, get around uh, any mature Christian and, and get into their story, here's what you'll find out. That the Lord used a lot of monotony, a lot of what we might consider boredom to expand the capacity of their heart, to grow their faith and knowledge of him. And then every once in a while, they get, they'll get that breakthrough that, that breaks loose and, and moves them two degrees instead of one. That's the way this is going to happen. And, and what I love about the text is he's just being real honest about kind of slow, painful growth. Look at me. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not happening. Like I, the, the mindset of the evangelical right now that is if it's easy and I'm happy and there's spirit sprinkles and I've got, then it's working. It, it's just, again, it's not a biblical idea. Are, are you praying and feel like it's hitting the ceiling, but you keep praying. You're being formed. Do you read the Bible? You have no idea what Leviticus means by boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk. I don't still. I, I mean, and yet the Lord's doing something in the morning when I'm there reading and going, I want to meet with you. He's expanding my capacity to want him and long for him. When things get difficult and I feel tired, I get to go to him and he expands my capacity to love him and know him. And then every once in a while, bam, something will fall off me. Long, slow, hard is how we're formed. There are no shortcuts. There are no silver bullets. There are, there are no spiritual bypass. Long, slow, monotonous, often boring, formed into the image of Jesus. I'll say it again. One degree over the course of a decade will turn you into somebody you can't even fathom today. And that, that it's the long journey home. It's the long game. And, and so the way we've said that we talked about this before, I've got to speed up. Deep work over time in community. Deep work over time in community. That's the only way identity is ever formed. 
That's the only way you'll ever find purpose, or I would use the word destiny, in your life. And, and, that, and then you'll only do that together with others. One of the things I want to highlight here, I'll talk more about it in a few weeks, um, is formation is inherently relational. It's inherently relational. We are so desperate for one another in order to grow into what the Lord has for us that this is not, it's not your project, it's our project. That, that's, that's the way this works. It's, it's our project. We're in this together. We've been given to one another for this purpose in this place. It, it doesn't work if this is just like your adventure. It only works if it's our adventure and I need you and there's an acknowledgement that we're probably going to bother each other. And that part of you bothering me and me bothering you is actually to, to get this. Right? It's to form. It's to, right? it's to shape. And, and that, that takes me to, like, here's my rant for the day. It, it's short and I, I want to I do a little bit of clarification. But um, this deep work around identity, purpose, and belonging, it, it's painful stuff at times. And let me tell you a huge concern I have. In a day and age where there, there's all this talk about safe, you know, safe spaces and trigger warnings, I'm a little nervous. Now, let me give the caveat. If you have been significantly and seriously abused, I am not talking to you. You need all of that by the grace of God to heal. I'm talking about the more broad application that lays on everybody's life right now where any kind of difficulty or pain should be flagged first so you can either opt in or opt out. The only way to grow is through resistance. And Jesus, he ain't having this trigger warning thing. John chapter five, he's having such a good counseling session with the woman at the well. I mean, it's going good, good. It's like, hey, can you get me a drink? I'll give you living water, burst forth into eternal life. It's going so well. And then Jesus said, go get your husband. No, Jesus, she's had five husbands, man. Don't, don't bring that. She's had five and the dude she's living with now, it's like a sex for rent thing. Jesus, don't touch that. You were doing so good, Jesus. Why would you, why would you bring that up? Why wouldn't you just give her some verses from Exodus? <laughs> Encourage her that she will be a part of this priesthood that pushes, like speak to her about that healing water. Why'd you bring that up? Didn't even tell her he was going to. Just said, hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I know you've had five and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Could it be that where Jesus most deeply wanted to meet her was in the pain? Yes. And, and if you create an environment where no one's ever allowed to feel hurt, wouldn't we be surrendering ourselves to that hurt rather than allowing the spirit to come in and meet? Now, again, let me say the same thing I've already said. If you have been the recipient of some horrific abuse. I am not talking to you. I, I think you, you need that. And we should honor you that way. I'm just saying, if life's been difficult, get, guess what? Life is difficult. One of the primary ways we're formed is through the difficulty of life. And anyone who, who's got any skin in the game should have the courage to be honest about that. I've grown most through pain. Well, you don't grow most through everything being great. You grow most through pain. And if he is committed to making you more and more and more and more like Jesus, Christians should never be surprised by difficulty and pain. Our faith says it's a part of the fallen world and that God will not, I mean, Jesus is like, hey, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. 
So let us not be surprised when things don't go our way. Let us not be surprised when things are difficult. Let us trust that God is committed to touching the deepest parts of me to make me more and more and more and more like Jesus. And sometimes that stings because there are things I still don't want to talk with him about. I'm in, I'm in the game 30 years. I'm like, can we talk about that later? Or maybe, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you don't have the delayed obedience like I will sometimes. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would be good for anybody else. I don't think that'd be good for me. I understand what you want, but why don't we, sir, I'll tell you what, in a year or two, circle back around, let me know. Oh, not you? Just me? Oh, okay. Well, I've been pastor here long enough to know a lot of us are liars, so it's fine. Now, let, let me end with this. This so, so what do we do with this? If, if this is how we're transformed over time, right? Those who turn to the Lord. It's not been given for somebody else to get in between me and the Lord. I have been invited into his presence. In fact, he, would, he most wants to hear from me, not someone on my behalf. He, he wants me to come and he wants me to lay my heart down. He wants me to be in his presence, not someone for me. Not my mom, not my dad, not, not my pastor, not my whatever. He wants me. I'm the one that's been invited in. Those who turn to the Lord. Freedom. Over time, one degree at a time, by beholding the beauty of God. So, so two things that I would give you as action steps. The, the first is that, that the freedom required to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus rightly is the repentance of turning away from idols that dehumanize us and gaze upon the beauty of Jesus that will rehumanize us. You tracking with me? Uh, I think there are four primary ones. Um, the idol of comfort, the idol of approval, the idol of pride, and the idol of control. Those are called primary idols. All the other stuff probably fits into one of those categories. And, and so if your life, your thoughts, your repetition, your action is comfort, I think that's what scrolling is. Scrolling is just mindless comfort. <laughs> you get a little chuckle, laugh, the algorithm puts some lust in front of you. Whether you're a girl or a guy, it's going to put some lust. I just don't know what you're lusting after. But the whole algorithm's built around your lust. Your control, your company, you look at that, <laughs> you, you don't go to the Lord, you're turned over here, or, or power, or, or approval, you just all over here, and, and you're being deformed the whole time. Well, well the opportunity I want to give you now is just like, no, 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 let, let's turn to the Lord. Let, let, let's remember, he's the better than, he's the greater than, that there's a comfort available in him, that this one will betray you, this one will not. Like, no one's gone through the dark night of the soul and said, TikTok brought me out of the depths. I'm telling you, man, I, I just, we rolled out this podcast a couple of weeks ago where I just sat down with people in our church that have just gone through it, through it. Not a one of them pointed to the stuff most of us run to every day for the thing that sustained their soul and bolstered them in the day of the trouble. No, it, it's the beauty of Jesus that to the person, whether it was the death of a child, whether it was alcoholism, whether it was drugs, whether it was same-sex attraction, I have to turn and look at his beauty. I'm sustained by his grace. Nothing back here. Not the drink, not the smoke, not the sex, not the couldn't deliver. Promised and betrayed. Formation occurs when we gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. Right? So, so here at the end, we're going to have our prayer team. They're, they're going to be up here, and it'll be an opportunity for, for you to say, hey, I need to repent of some things. I need to tell somebody. I want to tell you, pray for me, brother or sister. Right? So they'll be here at the end of the service. Here's the second thing. Um, we have organized and built organizationally around helping you here as best we can. 
Uh, and so we've got classes and we've got home groups and we've got, and, and here's, the, here's the way I think it, it works best um, to find your people. Like find, find a home group, right? If you used to be in one and you fell, find a group. Like when we're looking towards the fall, find a group. And what would be great is as, as groups, if you would say, you know what we're going to do as a group? We're going to go through the training program this year. Or we're going to go through the art of care. And you start to move through our classes and other spaces as a community doing it together. You don't have to do it that way. You can drop into anything we do as a single. But this piece of belonging, togetherness, bothering each other and giving grace to one another is such a powerful force of formation. I would say, best case scenarios, you find your group, you give it another shot if it went bad for you, you keep trying because it's worth it, you find your people, and it'd be great is to ask your group, hey, training program, art of care, one of the core classes, what do we want to do this year? And then you go together and you, you grow together and you hold each other in, you know, accountable together. You speak words of life into one another and let's be formed and shaped as the people of God in this place. So the invitation is repent of idols and the other is where might you find a place to belong? Now this is a poorly timed series. Here's what. Everything shuts down in July. <laughs> Except, wait, I got one more invitation, and then we're going to practice some of what we just preached. Um, every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30, recovery meets in this room. This summer, they're doing keys to the summer, and they're going to talk about surrender. Well, what's our definition of discipleship? Continuous what? Surrender. So, so if you're not, you, you haven't found a spot where, where you might be shaped and molded and find your people, let me invite you to recovery, 6.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday nights. It, it's not just for the addict that has some curse words for God. It, it's also for the person that's been following Jesus for a while and is looking to engage in a deeper way. You, you're not going to find any finitus at recovery. You know what I mean by that? That terrible Sunday morning Christian thing. How are you, brother? I'm fine. Whole world's on fire. Fine, brother, how are you? None of that there. It's one of my favorite places in our church. A little grimy, a little gritty, a little, little gross, just perfect. The kind of people Jesus delights in. And so why don't you join us for that? Now, here's what I want to do. I, I want to pray over us, and then we're going to behold the beauty of Jesus by taking the Lord's Supper together because it's another thing we do every time we gather that gets our eyes up. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for us. All of our sin, past, present, and future, fully, freely, and forever forgiven in King Jesus. And so let me pray for us, uh, and then we'll, we'll behold the beauty of Christ together. Father, I bless these men and women in the name of Jesus. Thank you for how you love us, how committed you are to us, how good you are to us. We praise you. We thank you. You're so good, so kind. Orient our heart and mind around you now. Drive out the darkness, establish light. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.